your cake online. How's it going, Cake Nation? And welcome back to the Chemistry Cake Online Podcast, where chatting about chemistry has never been sweeter. Chemistry Cake is online, and today airs the fourth episode in our organic chemistry season. Last time, we got to chat with Stana Dorn about functionalizing conjugated alkenes with metal catalysts, which was super sweet. Um, And today's sweet guest received her bachelor's degree in chemistry at Hanover College and recently defended her dissertation defense at Indiana University. So I think it is safe to say that the doctor is in. Folks, would you help me in welcoming our sweet guest, Dr. Erin Hancock? Erin, thank you so much for joining us today. How has life been in your neck of the woods? Thanks, uh, Kate. It's been pretty good. The sun is shining. Spring is here, so the grass is getting greener. And hopefully it stays that way. Well, that's awesome. Um, so I, I have to I have to ask, because I'm currently stationed in San Diego. Um, I believe you are in Indiana currently, correct? Yes. Yeah. Bloomington, Indiana. Bloomington, Indiana. Are there uh, are there seasons over there? There is all four of them. All so we might have just skipped by spring. It's too early to tell. But uh-huh. today, I think it was 85. Two days ago, Ooh. it was 50. So kind of cold. Ooh. That's that's quite the that's quite the jump in temperature. And I thought it was uh, kind of um, all over the place in San Diego, but I guess not. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So uh, I also heard from a little birdie that your next steps um, are joining Corteva, which, if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Ali Boyington, who was on the show earlier this season um, and also recently defended her dissertation, is on her way there as well. Are you excited about that? I'm very excited. Um, Yeah, I met Ali, Dr. Ali. Uh, close to a year ago at another symposium for graduate students in organic chemistry. Um, And I got to chat with her a bit and I'm looking forward to working with her as well as some of the other colleagues I've met. Uh, We've overlapped at other conferences as well and several of us are working there. So it'll be really exciting to, to meet up with them again and start our next chapter together. That's so wild. Like, I just, I'm just kind of thinking about how um, we were recently chatting about how, how it's such a small world because um, for the listeners at home, right, I just wanted to point out that the way that uh, Aaron and I were connected is a pretty funny story. Um, I remember receiving a notification on Twitter uh, that Stana mentioned me in a, a tweet requesting that the hashtag hype train come in and send all the hypes because you were defending your dissertation. And of course, we were all hyped to help. Um, But then I saw the description of your research and I was simultaneously hyped because your chemistry was so fascinating and I wanted to learn more about it. And also I I was bummed because I couldn't make it, Um, but that's okay because we can all chat about your science now. so I think that's really interesting how we were connected through Stan, and I also think that it's really so wild that you and Allie know each other as well, and she was on the show just recently, and I had no idea that you, you two knew each other. Um, so that's, that's super sweet. Um, so you do organic chemistry, which is fitting because we are in our OCHEM season. 
Um, but I did want to ask, what aspect of it do you specifically focus on? So I focus on trying to synthesize or construct molecules found in nature. And we call that a uh, natural product synthesis. Um, so using tons of different reactions, trying to figure out a way to synthesize these molecules and maybe even try to mimic the strategies nature uses. Interesting. So, so, um, and whenever I hear natural product synthesis, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, multi-step syntheses where like you're doing anywhere between like uh, 10 to 25. Yeah, 99. Steps. 99 steps, holy cannolis. What was the yield <laughs> on that? Uh, I, I'm not good at math. Oh, okay. I just, oh man. Yeah, I, I, rem I remember, uh, I have a friend that also does natural product synthesis and like um, there's like one, like one part in the, the month that she'll be like, oh, like look at how much starting material I'm starting with. And then at the very end of the month, it's just like this tiny little like crystal that she got. And she's like, it's pure. And it was like, this is how much you got from that, um, which is so wild. And I, I mean, like, I guess I'm not surprised that like so much is lost, but like, oh my gosh, 99 steps. Yeah, That's it's insane. It's definitely a beautiful and humbling process, starting with, you know, yeah, 40 grams of pure material. And then after your allotted steps, you're down to maybe five milligrams and this tiny little vial, so precious. Oh my gosh. And trying to, you know, purify all of the byproducts and off, off one-off reactions that happen. You know, you're running things on such a tiny scale. And if you spill one drop, that could be two milligrams. And now you're down to 50%. Oh, my gosh. It's, yeah. So were there particular molecules that you were targeting? Or was there like a library of like motifs that you were looking at? Or what was going on there? So uh, most of my work has focused on synthesizing cyclobutane molecules, which are four-membered um, carbon rings, so a square essentially. And I have made two molecules that have them, and they're called laddering molecules. And so you can imagine um, several cyclobutanes or squares sitting on top of each other to make a ladder in 3D, of course. So they were deemed the name laddering for that reason. So when you say like cyclobutanes on top of each other, are, are we talking about um, them being fused or are, are they essentially forming like a prism? A uh, fused, not a prism. Fused, okay. Okay, so that makes that makes more sense. I just wanted to make sure that I was visualizing that correctly. Yeah. Wow, uh, the ring strain on that must be very. Um, and I, I would imagine that this this molecule is not planar. Like it's correct. Okay, it's like a staircase. Yeah. Okay. Picture that, a staircase a... mixed with like the rungs of a ladder. Like if you draw it in two D, it looks like the rungs of a ladder. Right. If you look at it in three dimensions, it's like you're going up a staircase or down, whichever way. 
That's really fascinating. Okay. Yeah, that, that was really helpful for the visual. So, so what, um, is there a particular function that uh, this molecule is aimed to serve or like any particular applications? Uh, so these natural products are really unusual. Uh, there's only one, I guess, organism that makes these and it's a bacteria. So they were only discovered uh, less than 20 years ago. And it's really difficult to, you know, grow a lot of this bacteria for the biologists. So synthetic organic chemists have been exploring ways to make this on scale and to study those biological properties and try to figure out why nature has included such an interesting molecule in this bacteria. And so um, our group, and particularly myself, we have synthesized the molecules, but other uh, labs have done some really cool studies already on their biological properties. They're able to have these lipids self-assemble into micelles, essentially, and they're able to study them. Another really cool, I guess, application of these molecules is in polymer chemistry as well where if you, you, you mentioned earlier in your hit, hit the nail on the head with the uh, high amount of strain in these molecules. So when they take these laterines and hit them with a mechanical force, they actually open up and make a new polymer. Uh, so that's oh. a really cool work that uh, my group isn't exploring, um, but we're looking at some uh, different applications, hopefully soon when things open back up. Yeah. Wow, that's really so. When when you're saying mechanical force, like are are these molecules sensitive to how forceful are we are we talking? Like, are you are you taking like these? I, I would assume that this is a crystalline or a solid substance, and just like hitting it with a hammer, or is there like like I, how how is that done? So the molecules I made, they're a nice white solid crystalline, and they're pretty stable, benchtop open to air, uh, even under pretty acidic conditions. But the molecules, the polymers I had just mentioned, I think they have several, I think they're co-block polymers, um, but, but several of these laterines. So it's crystalline gel, I think. And when they stretch it, or I think, I think that's the force they use, is physically stretching it. They see these open. Okay, so because you've mentioned that this this or at least the, the molecule that you're working with is a crystalline solid. And so when you say stretching, is there some elasticity to these these molecules? Or are they are they casting it in another polymer and then stretching or yeah, I I believe they're co-block polymers. So there's the laterine and then there's a second different chemical structure between. So they have kind of um staggered. Got it. Okay. Okay, I'm tracking now. I, I yeah. for some reason didn't process you had said co-block polymers. Uh, that's really cool. Um, so I would then imagine that the the second or the other component of this co-block polymer is what is is elastic. Yeah. And okay. I, yeah, I'm not. I don't know too much about it other than that. But um, if if you are interested, Burns and she have their groups have have done the work in the field of polymer chemistry. Okay. 
Yeah, I, I apologize for, for like asking more questions about that. I realize that that's not, um, that's not your area of expertise. I just, I, I'm very, I'm particularly uh, fascinated with polymers because I work with polymers. Oh no, polymers are really cool. I was, I was dabbling in a bit of polymer chemistry for a couple months and it's, it's fascinating. I, I wish that's something too I want to hopefully one day learn more about. Yeah, polymers are, are, are interesting, but tricky little things, uh, especially considering like, um, well, if it's a polymer, it's likely not crystalline. So uh, there's a lot of amorphology, I guess you could say. Um, so it, it makes structural characterization kind of difficult, but I've digressed. Um, so so this this natural product, which you've synthesized, um, Laterines, could you talk more about the biological properties of this? It seems really interesting um, because when you had first said uh, cyclobutane, the first thing that my mind went to was lactam. Mm-hmm. And I was about to ask that when you said that they're Laterines. And so is it just, like, is it functionalized anywhere on the molecule or is it just, is it just the rings? The laterine molecules I synthesized, it's all carbon rings. So you can picture five cyclobutanes fused together to make that staircase structure. And then from there, we have an additional eight carbons with a a carboxylic acid or a CO2H group. So it's not highly oxygenated like some of the other molecules are. Um, It's yeah, pretty much carbon and hydrogens. And the phospholipid that these bacteria synthesize, it's composed of two of these laterine molecules. Um, usually there's one with a five laterine, so five cyclobutanes, and then a second laterine molecule, which we refer to as a three laterinol. So this one only has three cis-fused cyclobutanes. And then together, those two plus a polar head group make the fully assembled phospholipid found in this bacteria. Hopefully that made sense. No, yeah, that, that makes sense. Good. And, and I have to, I, I suppose I'll have to, to ask where, because, you know, when I hear phospholipid, the first thing that comes to mind is, well, there has to be some phosphate group somewhere. Is, is that anywhere on the, on the um, laterines? Um, no, actually, it's it's not it's not on the laddering itself. It's part of the entire phospholipid. So I guess yeah. Fortunately for those of us trying to synthesize the products, there's not an actual phosphate group. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I, I was be like, wow, that that must make things a bit more complicated. Definitely. Okay. Okay. So that's that's actually really interesting. So. Um, I did want to go back to the molecule that you synthesize, which is the the five cyclobutanes, and then uh, you said an additional eight carbons. And I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that that is like an alkane chain. Yeah, exactly. Like an alkane. Yeah. Is there any particular reason why that chain with the carboxylic acid is there? Yeah. So I'm gonna try to describe this without any visuals. But so if picture several of these laterine molecules all sitting in kind of a staircase structure. And because they're sitting in that zigzag, they can pack together a lot tighter. 
So there have been studies shown that because of this really tight packing, it's these membranes are very impermeable to dyes. So I, I think, yeah, perhaps there's these alkyl chains just to, you know, maybe distance the laddering portion away from the polar head group or allow for the bilayer to have its desired thickness. Okay, yeah. So would I, is it safe to assume then that um, a lot of the research that goes into these natural products is like foundational or like fundamental where like not much is known about these these natural products because you did you did preface it by saying that these are kind of odd and that there's only one bacterium that produces it Uh, yeah definitely one of the reasons we target natural products that haven't been synthesized is to further probe those unusual biological properties to maybe you know translate those into some other applications in agrochemical or pharmaceutical or polymer chemistry. Additional reasons is it allows for the organic chemist to think about developing new reactions as well, or new strategies trying to make those tricky cyclobutane rings. So it's a bit twofold. Yeah, I'm still... I know that I'm, I've been saying, um, you know, cyclobutane, like pretty, pretty flippantly, but I'm actually kind of losing my mind right now because all I remember, well, not all I remember, but, but a, a big thing that I remember uh, when I was a student in, in un- my undergraduate times was that uh, ring strain is a big deal and mm-hmm. making three-membered rings, four-membered rings are extremely difficult because of the ring strain. And for whatever reason, uh, the, the one thing that really stuck with me was when my professor told me to make a model with my trusty molecular model set of cyclopropane. And so I tried to, I tried with not this, with this, with not the special pieces, because apparently there are special pieces in your set to make cyclopropane. Um, and I actually went to his office hours and I told the professor, I, I can't make cyclopropane. Um, it's just, I can't. And he's like, see, I, so with the regular pieces, you can't, in fact, you'll break them. So don't ever do it again, but just imagine the ring strain. And then he's like, do you have, do you have those like, like metallic sparkly pieces in your set? And it was like, yeah why he's like use those because they're more flexible those are you'll notice there are only three of them specifically so that you can make cyclopropane but even with those pieces there's a lot of strain and so i was just like oh man that's insane um and then he's like now make cyclobutane and how the pieces just naturally fold into like a saddle position um is is that correct is that what the the People yeah. sometimes will say puckered, puckered the butterfly okay. puckered confirmation. Yeah, it. all I can say with that is that the molecule is not planar. Um, and like no matter how hard I tried to like put it into a planar position, it just would not, it was not happy with the, <laughs> that confirmation. So it was really, really fascinating. So the moral of the story, kids make a model. Um, but yeah, so... I'm actually still losing my mind over the fact that not only are you able to make one 
of these very strained ring molecules, but several and fused together. And I, I just can only imagine like the amount of energy in those molecules. And so uh, one of the other questions that I wanted to ask was when you had mentioned, you know, um, with mechanical force, these these rings open and form a new polymer. Is that like, is there a substantial amount of heat that is released? Is that like an exothermic? You know, I, I would imagine so. It would have to be pretty exothermic, I'd imagine. Because like, rings are opening. Yeah. And like, and I mean, like, I know that, I know that the molecule would want to be as as least strained as possible, but it's also, you're, you would be breaking a carbon-carbon bond, and that's like, yeah, my gracious. Yeah. And to be able to do that with mechanical force, it's just like, these rings really don't want to be rings. <laughs> it's always so crazy, because when I was working on these, I would think about doing a reaction, and I'm like, there is no way this reaction is going to work my ladder is just going to fly up, well, fly apart, break apart. It's all going to decompose. And I run the reaction and I got 70% yield and I was blown away. Wow. I go to the next reaction and I'm like, this is for sure going to work. Wrong. This time oh. it did pop open completely. And, and it was just so interesting because just when I thought I had them figured out, they did something completely different. Wow. <laughs> oh, chemistry. Gotta love it. Gotta, gotta love it. Um, I did have one more one more question about about this, because um, I remembered you had mentioned that it's pretty air stable and, and I'd imagine also water stable. I mean, like these are hydrocarbons, so I don't imagine that they'll mix with water well. And you said that they're also pretty stable in acidic conditions. Can you say the same about basic conditions? Yeah, I think for the most part, at least the laddery natural products would be fairly stable in basic conditions also. I had noticed that once you start having extra substitution off of all of those cyclobutanes, then they can become a bit more sensitive because now you have different electronics, You've altered the system pretty, pretty drastically, so we would start to see unwanted reaction. I see. Okay, that might be another question that I, I wanted to ask. So, when when you do have like additional substitution on these rings, I I almost wonder if it increase like you know with the, the changed electronic properties, is it also increasing to the strain of the ring? Uh, I it is. Uh, so if you imagine just two cyclobutanes kind of making a V-shaped, and if you have substituents, other groups coming off the ends of each cyclobutane, they could be running into each other even more. So that, that's got to be some, some energetic penalty for sure. And on smaller laddering systems, I definitely found either reactions to be more challenging or they just wouldn't work. And I think it has to do with creating a molecule that now has even more strain energy. That's so wild. Wow. This is so cool. 
I'm I'm just kind of relishing the the like all the, the chat just because I, I to be honest I this is not I was not expecting to be to, to, to be talking about um honestly I don't know what I was expecting about this chat just that it was about organic chemistry uh and this is so cool like I I really love well I mean like I love all chemistry I guess that's not not a secret but um really really love organic chemistry and really am fascinated by natural product synthesis and also like just you know, foundational and fundamental research of like, we don't know what this does. We just want to learn about it. Yeah. Um, and it's just so wild to be like, wow, this is actually made in nature. And like everything in, in chemistry is telling you like, yeah, this really shouldn't exist, but it does. Yes. And here we are. And we're just gonna accept it because chemistry uh, and nature. Um, yeah, that's so cool. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Aaron, it does look like we are nearing the end of our chat. But as is tradition, I do have one final question for you. Are you ready for it? Yes. Okay. What is your favorite cake flavor and why? Mm. Uh, well... I guess I need to preface this with choosing favorites is something very difficult for me. Uh, <laughs> like, what's your favorite color? I don't know. It depends on my mood, the day. <laughs> but I will have to say, um, I do really like Trace Leche's cake. It's okay. Have you ever had it? You know, I feel like I have. But if I have, I don't remember if I've had it. So I'm just going to have to try it again and then describe it to me. Okay. So um, I think it's just like a typical like white or yellow cake, but you keep the cake in the pan. This is, this is key. Um, I'll tell you why in a second. But after that, um, you frost it and everything, uh, but you pour, I think it's like condensed milk and other... Oh, I have had this cake yeah. before. I'm probably not, ex I'm not doing it, it justice, but, um, so when, when you cut it, it's like, oh, it's, it's delicious. It's creamy, but it's still a cake. I don't know how to. Oh yeah. No, I, I, okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, I, I do remember. So, so the condensed milk does do, um, it's that's the game changer yeah condensed milk and i would imagine it's whether it's sweetened or unsweetened depending on you know what, mm -hmm. who you are um like i think i've i've had it both ways where if i've had uh, condensed milk sweetened it's so sweet and then yeah unsweetened condensed milk is is, is just the right amount of sweet for me um but it does something to the texture of the sponge uh, that it's no longer, um, it's not as, it's not Fluff, quite fluffy airy. or cloud-like. It's, it's yeah. more of like, it's denser, dense. but not in like a, like a, not like a, oh, this is too dense sort of way. It's, it's like, um, uh, it's, it's just the right amount of cake moist and, and kind of, it, it's kind of bouncy. Yeah. It's, is, is that, am I describing that right? Yeah, like yeah. It's like a, it, it has a bit more of a elasticity, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's, it's bouncy and, and, and very like, 
Okay, yeah, now I'm remembering. Yeah, it's it's good. I I I think that's a good that's a good answer <laughs> uh, for a favorite cake. Um, and also don't feel bad that, uh, that, uh, favorites are difficult and, and <laughs> things may change given your mood. I do believe, um, I believe it was Dr. Nadine Bourdois, uh, Dedekind, who was on the show, um, many moons ago. Uh, and she had mentioned that her favorite cake flavor changes with her mood and that's Ooh. completely fine as well. Um, cause cake is awesome, right? Like, yeah. There's like, so many options. There's a cake for everyone. Multiple um, cakes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there are, there are gluten-free cakes and eggless cakes and, and nut-free cakes and peanut-free cakes. Yeah. Um, and like, ugh, now I want cake. I know. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Ah, oh, Erin, thank you so much for chatting with me today. This is such a sweet chat. Um, and I learned so much about the science that you do. It's really incredible. I'm still mind blown. And uh, we'll certainly have to chat again about this because this is really cool. To the listeners at home, thank you for joining in on our chat. If you would like to follow the many organic chemistry adventures of Dr. Erin Hancock, you can follow her on Twitter at SquareTurtle1. And of course, if you would like to hop aboard the hype train, choo choo, you are more than welcome to follow me on Twitter at chemistrycake. And uh, if you would like to keep up with my daily shenanigans, you can follow me on Instagram at chemistrycakeonline. All of those will be linked in the description. In the meantime, sending many hypes your way, Cake Nation. This is your gentle reminder to stay hydrated, to keep the hype alive, and to edify our village. Thanks for tuning in, Cake Nation. This is Chemistry Cake, signing off. Mm.